today on CityCast Chicago. When it comes to local real estate, it seems like mega developments get a whole lot of attention. But what makes these mega developments different from any other construction project? Well, we talked to someone whose job it is to bring business to Chicago, and he says these multi-billion dollar projects have the potential to transform the city. It's Monday, July 10th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. I am here with Kyle Schultz, the head of business development at World Business Chicago, which is the city's economic development agency. Kyle, welcome to CityCast Chicago. Jacoby, it's awesome to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Hey, I appreciate you making time and for listening to CityCast Chicago. Uh, let's set the scene for our listeners. What exactly is a mega development? That's a really great question. There isn't a set definition of what constitutes a mega development. Developers, the real estate world, they will slap that term on anything because it gives it a little bit more jazz. But how we at World Business Chicago think about a mega development is it's any commercial development over 25 acres in terms of overall project size, and it has near or over a billion dollars in investment into the project. Okay. So some big ones that people might know are like Lincoln Yards on the north side, the 78 near South Loop. Can you describe what's the vision for those two developments? Uh, What's slated to go there? Yeah. So the big part which makes a mega development really at its core is becoming a mixed-use real estate play. And so what mixed use means is it's a mixture of different types of real estate classifications. It'll include some retail, some office space, entertainment districts, and green space. Really, the intent behind a mega development is that you create a brand new neighborhood uh, in Chicago and have that live, work, play environment all in one convenient, conveniently large setting. So when we talk about Lincoln Yards, how big and how much money are we talking Yeah, Lincoln Yards is one of the oldest projects in this. It started in 2016, and it's over 50 acres in development size, um, right along the Chicago River, starting kind of Southbourne, Southport and Clybourne. It's going to be the total investment into this project right now is slated to be $6 billion. Ooh, and when we talk about the 78, you mentioned trying to build a new neighborhood. Obviously, the 78 comes after, you know, 77 community areas. Can you describe this development for us? It's located over at Roosevelt and Clark, so kind of uh, South Loop near South Side. Um, it's 62 acres. So of the intended mega developments that the city has going on right now, it is the largest. And that number for that mixed use investment is going to be over $7 billion by the time. Ooh, so we so we can see between these two projects, you're talking six, seven billion dollars, 50 to 60 acres. But when we talk about other projects that are happening in the city that take up sort of a mega amount of attention, I think of like the Obama Center. I think about one point six billion dollar casino. You know, do those count as mega developments? Those are incredibly impactful. They're really large and are catalytic for their area in terms of what they will provide. But they're not mega developments because they're a single classification. Okay. The mega development to really truly be that needs to have that mixture of live, work, and play and creating a space that people can do everything in an immediate area. 
Okay, it sounds like the developers behind like the original Corn on the Cob, Marina City, was like, can mm-hmm. you do everything in this place without really having to leave? Um, okay, so based on those definitions, size, how much it brings in, that sort of mixed use, about how many mega developments are underway in Chicago right now? I think the key distinction that you have to point out with that question is underway right now. Okay. And our belief is there are three mega developments underway right now. You've got Lincoln Yards, 78, and then the other one is the Bronzeville Lakefront, which is the 48-acre track. Of, the old Michael Reese the, site. You got it, man. You know your real estate. A little bit. You know, we, we put out a couple <laughs> episodes every now and then about every community there. You know, just a little something, something. Why would you say Chicago has seen so many of these projects pick up in recent years, uh, whether or not it's, you know, shovels in the ground or even the planning process? Yeah, I, there's to me, I think one of the big reasons why mega developments have become so is such a point of emphasis in Chicago, Jacoby, is that the nature of individuals and humans has changed from the pandemic, right? The pandemic, we all got sent home. And so it's really hard to convince someone that's comfortable up on their northwest side home to say, hey, you know what, take that 35, 45 minute commute downtown or be stuck on the traffic with the development you're going to have that immediate proximity with your housing to your office space. But then the other big thing that's happened since the pandemic is we want those experiences. We want to be able to go out and have that kind of Instagrammable moment. And that's the other element that a mixed-use development project brings in, is that you're going to have that shopping, that dining, those modern necessities that you need to live all in one place. I feel like this trend predates the pandemic. So are you saying like that really has just sped up these efforts? Yeah, it really has sped up the, these okay. efforts in a lot of ways and kind of has motivated these developers to get moving quicker. The other big part about why you see mega developments in Chicago is how much of a built environment our city already has, right? We've been developing, building skyscrapers, producing trucks and cars since the 1800s. And with that comes a long legacy of existing buildings and limited land. And the land that we do have often has a lot of environmental limitations to it, right? If you look at Lincoln Yards, that's a former steel mill. And so all the byproduct of steel seeps into the ground. And so what is required to make that land beneficial for new development is expensive environmental remediation. To do that, a developer needs to be able to do it at scale. And so you are seeing the Chicago having limited land and that we do have it have a little bit of kind of brownfield to it. And so you have to have that economy of scale for a developer to say, okay, we're going to go in and clean up all 48 acres and really create the best impact for us. So it's that kind of built environment is another big reason why Chicago has been leading in terms of mega developments. Yeah. I mean, we have already seen Sterling Bay at Lincoln Yards running into financing issues with construction expected to be delayed by at least three years. How risky are these projects? Yeah, I mean, they're mega developments, so they're going to come with some risk, right? Lincoln Yards started in 2016. That was seven years ago. And at that time, it was planning, seeking community input and community meetings and working with the city on the development process. And so if you think about what's happened since they first announced the vision of Lincoln Yards to today, we've gone through a global pandemic. That pandemic has indirect effects on the money markets. And so you now are dealing with tightening capital markets as federal reserves around the world start to tighten the flow of money to fight back inflation. 
Mm-hmm. So the, the just the nature of how you have to bring these online exposes these developments to larger factors that they may not have planned at the outset. But to my earlier point, once you've got the plan in place, then it gives you the ability to be a little agile. And as World Business Chicago talks with the Lincoln Yards and the 78s and the Bronzeville Lakefronts, one of the things we're hearing them say is, we're shifting from office use in those commercial office buildings that we originally planned to build to more housing because mm-hmm. that's what the market and individuals in this economy is calling out for. Right. We, you've talked so much about wanting to build multi-use space, not building one building, you know, just mm-hmm. for that purpose. When we think about some of these development sites and the fact that Chicago is in an affordable housing crisis, we need yeah. housing. We need to follow through on promises of replacing old public housing land with new uh, affordable housing for the city. Could it be argued that some of these sites may have been better used as sort of a one or multi-building, one-purpose type of thing, which is just providing more housing site for people? That, I think, is a really good question and thought to have. Um, would love to come back to you, Jacoby, with a more thoughtful and engaged answers after I've talked with my partners and colleagues at the CHA in the city. But I think one of the things that World Business Chicago truly believes as we think about this is how do we do the most intentionally inclusive and equitable developments and making sure that our work in connecting Chicago to business communities and investment opportunities is reflective of those things. And so bringing developers that can do affordable housing to the table to partner or explore opportunities with Sterling Bay or with Far Point or with related Midwest is really crucial because we do recognize that this is a crisis across the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do we also make sure that these projects, which have very long timelines, right? It'll be years before we see companies actually occupying a lot of these developments. How do we make sure that they're a benefit to the to the city? And, and what would you argue is that sort of driving benefit? Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to phrase this, right? It's going to be these projects are 10, 20, 25 years in the making, right? We're going to be in a wholly different world by the time they are finished and completely delivered. But you do see some of that transformation happening. I mean, you see it right now as you drive down 90 and you look over at the Lincoln Yards, you see that first building, which is called Ally, that was just delivered earlier this year and is already starting to help change Chicago's reputation as a life sciences hub. But why those buildings and that commercial activity is taking place, some of the immediate benefits are the simple things that Chicagoans have the most joy and frustration with. That joy, right, is our love of green space and being outside. And each of these developments is starting the process of setting aside the green space, turning those into accessible public parks that Chicagoans can take advantage of today. And that frustration, right, is that infrastructure. We talked about it on a recent episode with NASCAR and those headaches making sure that the infrastructure, whether it's building out new red line stops with Mm -hmm. what they're planning to do in the 78 or reworking roads so it's easier to connect Bronzeville Lakefront to some of its surrounding neighborhoods, those are all things that Chicagoans are going to be able to take advantage of sooner than when you're going to see some of these larger, big office complexes come online.
When we talk about neighbors who are close to these mega developments, whether they're the, the multi-billion dollar or even just like the, the Obama Center, the casino, you, you often see some skepticism, some criticism, people who are worried about gentrification and displacement. When you think about these projects currently underway, are there commitments in to bring in locally owned yeah. businesses to, to protect affordable housing, to, to make it not only an attractive place to, you know, bring in Chicagoans from across the city, but protect those who are already there. You know, CityCast listeners know that you talk about this a lot in a good, meaningful way of the concern that comes up when new development comes up. And when my team and I go and work with community organizations, we often have that as one of the first questions is because we see development come in and those that are most impacted are those residents that have lived there for 30, 40, 50 years. And they're concerned about will they be displaced? And if you look at the Bronzeville Lakefront project, well, that's a really good example of prioritizing community in building something that can be transformational. So the Bronzeville Lakefront team um, goes by the name GRIT, which stands for Get Ready, It's Time. And that's a collection of companies that might sound familiar if you spend a lot of time in the loop, Farpoint Development, Loop Capital, but it also includes, and it's very intentional, that it has leadership from Chicago Neighborhood Initiatives, Bronzeville, Bronzeville Community Development Partners that are all at the table, all providing input to make sure that this is not just a catalytic transformation for just a few, but for everyone in Bronzeville. Mm -hmm. Are there any specific things in the, the current project that are clearly for the community? Yeah, you're already starting to see some of those pieces. If I can use Bronzeville Lakefront as an example, again, some of the uh, apartment complexes that are in that space. Um, being improved, renovated, uh, new uh, structures and leasing centers so that they, the people that are there have a better standard of living. But a lot of that development is still coming online. You are just starting to see some of the infrastructure that needs to be put in place, whether that's roads, some of the water lines and gas lines be laid down in these last year um, and so it'll be a little bit larger, longer until we see some of the more meaningful development fully take shape. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when we get into the financing, it, it's very complicated. We don't sum it up, but it's it's easy for a lot of Chicagoans, even myself, when I hear about a mega development to simply think the rich get richer. Right. The people mm -hmm. who can afford to be behind these developments are going to siphon off resources from neighborhoods uh, you know, how do you work to to make sure that developers are, are held accountable, that they're transparent? Right. I think for World Business Chicago, our role in this ecosystem is to make sure we develop the most equitable Chicago. It's making sure that as we find local companies, whether they're real estate, they're contractors, they're small businesses that can provide grocery or other types of amenities, that we are putting those in front of the development teams behind the 78 and behind Bronzeville Lakefront and behind Lincoln Yards. And so that we are uplifting our local businesses so that it truly doesn't just benefit the rich, but all the businesses in Chicago get a chance to partake in these opportunities. Mm -hmm. Given that we're still in the beginning stages of a lot of these projects, what's your forecast of, of how they'll change Chicago moving forward? If I can summarize the forecast with just kind of a simple word, that they'll be transformational, right? It won't just be the economic scale of what they can provide, right? That the jobs and the new investment and the new real estate tax generation will have, but the contribution to our skyline, which you can already see 
up in Lincoln Yards, but then also kind of the civic pride. We are a city that loves to identify itself based on what neighborhood we're from or where we've lived. And so with these three, these mega developments of nearly all nearly 50 acres, there's going to be three new neighborhoods that can help boost our sense of pride um, and really help us feel like, wow, Chicago is growing in a meaningful way. I mean, you talk with such enthusiasm while while simultaneously understanding the criticisms, the challenges that these face. Do you think mega developments are fundamentally a good thing for Chicago? If they're done with that intentional inclusivity and equitability at their heart, if that has been part of the value proposition, then yes. And we need to keep our focus on that, right? There is so much richness in this in the different parts of the city that we don't often put a spotlight on. And I really have taken it as World Business Chicago's mission to make sure that those businesses have an opportunity to get in front of these developments so that the neighborhoods and the residents get to benefit and they get to lift in that rising boat. Because sometimes that's high wipes away boats, but I think with World Business Chicago's position and the focus behind the Johnson administration that we can really see a rising tide lifts all boats. Obviously, we have economic concerns. People are afraid of a recession. You know, you think in 10, 20 years in the future, are there risks that these projects don't come to fruition given their timelines? I think the answer to that question is they may pivot or audible from what they intend to do now to what they'll deliver down the road. But the opportunity is so compelling and there is so much unique demand in Chicago, right? We sit in Chicago, in the middle of 500,000 university students who graduate nearly every year, who often end up making their way to Chicago because they want that city with global amenities and experiences they can't find on the prairies of a Big Ten school. The other part, if I can just build on this, is for the last 10 years, 10 years, Chicago and the Chicagoland area have been the number one metro for corporate expansion and relocation. It's a historic feat that we've set as a city. So you continue to see new young people coming into the city, new business, new expansion happening here. That isn't going to go away. It sounds like the prospect of a Lincoln Yards, a Bronzeville Lakefront there, um, they're too good to to pass up on. So even if they shift. Right. I also appreciate the, the energy in that last answer because it flies into the face of the narrative that businesses and people are just sort of fleeing Chicago. And we do know we want to see developments that, like you say, encourage not only new people to stay, um, but for the people who've been here to feel like they have a, a place in Chicago's future. Yeah, I think the other part to that, right, is they can't just be focused on the Loop and Fulton Market and those neighborhoods that naturally are gravitational poles. For that Chicago to really be its best Chicago is we need the Bronzeville lakefronts of the world to be successful and deliver it because then that'll create enough confidence that the next developer will go into Auburn, Gresham and try to replicate that or go out into Garfield Park and try to do something similar. These can be confidence building that we can start to see growth happen across our beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Well, Kyle, again, thank you so much for not only being a listener of CityCast Chicago, uh, but for stopping by today. Yeah, Jacoby, thanks for having me. would love to come back and keep talking about equitable investment and economic growth with you, my friend.
Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The Metropolitan Water Reclamation District is recommending Chicagoans scale back their water use, your showers, your dishwashers, as the city struggles with increased reports of flooding. Last week, to help relieve pressure, the city reversed the flow of the river into Lake Michigan for the first time in three years. Hundreds of thousands of Illinoisans have started receiving payouts from Google's biometric privacy law settlement. I ain't got mine yet, but I'll let you know. Now, don't be surprised if it isn't as much as you expected. Checks are about $95 and $96. Four major league players between the Cubs and Sox are headed to Seattle tomorrow for the 2023 MLB All-Star Game. Both clubs will resume scheduled play Friday with the Cubs at home and the Sox on the road in Atlanta. And some good news. Movies in Millennium Park are back tomorrow with the superhero street race inspired Fast X. You can see the full schedule of films slated to play for free every Tuesday until the end of August by heading to our show notes. As always, I appreciate you for listening. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow. I'll talk to you then. Peace.